Sportsnet today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960, the fan, Calgary. All right, this is Sportsnet Today. Yeah. Uh, Peter Klein from Daily Hive, Game Over Calgary, and the Couch Potato Diary podcast with you alongside Aaron Vickers from uh, Daily Hive and NHL.com uh, as we do a three-day trial to see if Daily Hive should do a hockey podcast. And Aaron, uh, this has been quite the quite the start. Uh, my, my return to hosting live radio on this radio station, and we get the most live radio thing of all, and that's breaking news as we're discussing, hey, what should we talk about today? Is the Vancouver Canucks um, kind of drop the first domino, if that's how you play dominoes, in the, uh, the, the NHL trade market? I think you just gently place dominoes. I don't know if mm. you necessarily Nudge. drop them or not. Yeah. But there was certainly no nudging going on by the <laughs> New York Islanders today acquiring Bo Horvat, Vancouver Canucks former captain. Yeah. Bo Horvat now in exchange for Anthony Beauvillier, Atu Ratu, and a conditional first round pick, which is top 12 protected. Didn't think we'd have a trade necessarily to talk about here. No. Peter Klein. I'm going to call you recliner because I call you <laughs> Kleiner and now that you're back, I'm adding the re. Recliner. Yeah. Now you're recliner. Good. So just kick back, relax, <laughs> crank up the volume as we break down this somewhat <laughs> stunning trade between the Islanders and Canucks. I've certainly been called worse on these airwaves. Um, so yes, the, the Canucks pull off the, this blockbuster deal, I guess. that There are a number of different ways to look at it, but as you kind of mentioned in our breaking news segment before the show here, um, Bo Horvat 31 goals, 23 assists for 54 points on what has objectively been not a good Vancouver Canucks team so far this season. Like, it's not like he's getting carried by anyone to get to those point totals for Bavillier Ratty and a first. Um, well, we'll start from the Vancouver side. This was a retooling that we were expecting. Is this enough for your captain who is already at 54 points and 30 goals and we are just now at the All-Star break? I would love to be a fly on the wall in Vancouver's front office in determining if this is the best package. Boston was rumored to have something put together. I wonder if there's a mystery team number three. But I think if you're the Vancouver Canucks and you're a Vancouver's Canucks fan, I don't think you can necessarily be disappointed in the return. You can be sad that your captain is now no longer on your team. And one of the lone bright spots of your organization this season, <laughs> a season that has been tumultuous to say the least, but you're getting back a first round pick in an incredibly deep draft. Even though you're not picking in the top 12, this pick slot lands from 13 to 22. You're still going to be very happy with the prospect you're able to grab with it. You're getting a player in Aturatu who's 20 years old, was a second round pick in 2021, by all accounts should have been a first round pick. And you're getting Anthony Beauvillier, who's an NHL-ready player who was skating on New York's top line, who fits the age demographic of this trade if you're looking to acquire three assets that'll be under the age of 24. Yeah. Um, for for Raddy, he was uh, NHL.com's top Islanders prospect coming into the season. Um, admittedly, <laughs> again, I didn't think we'd be talking a whole lot of Islanders. I don't have a, a, a fantastic working knowledge of the Islanders farm system, but um, still, he's the top prospect the Islanders had to offer. Uh, Bavillier is a player who I've liked a lot, and uh, I think he would be an interesting fit alongside uh, an Elias Pettersson out in Vancouver as they try to get things going. Quite frankly, um, I think he has a skill set to be the eventual Bo Horv- or, um not Bo Horvat, 
uh, Brock Besser replacement, one of the other good young players the Canucks are going to inexplicably trade. Um, so I, I think this does fit. I, I think the reason Canucks fans would have to be upset about this is that you have to trade Bo Horvat in the first place. A, because you've yes. sucked this year, and B, because they have hitched their wagons to JT Miller and Connor Garland and those guys instead of, of Bo Horvat. So past decisions have led you to this point. So it's, it's upsetting that Bo Horvat is going out the door, but in terms of return, I think this is a fine one for the Canucks. It's not, wow, they just steamrolled the Islanders, but it, it's a fine return, like you said, for what they're kind of going for now. Yeah, and the writing was on the wall for Bo Horvat and the Vancouver Canucks organization. The second Andre Kuzmenko signed a two-year bridge-ish deal worth $5.5 million a season, pretty much eliminated any chance you had to create some space in order to retain your captain. So I'm very curious of what the next shoot-a-fall is in Vancouver. If a, if a guy like Shen ends up hitting the uh, the I was the trade wire, not, I'm not <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's just an email chain at this point. I'm, I'm sure they're not sending faxes. The, the announcing trade WhatsApp, the trade what's <laughs> the, the NHL GM group chat. There's only 32 <laughs> guys in there. It's the most hilarious thing you'll ever see. I'll be curious to see what the next step is for them. But in the meantime, Bovillier will go right in the lineup. I would think Ratu will go right into the lineup. And then you've got that first round pick that you can have. And Raddy Ratu, Ratu, it depends on which side of the country you're on uh, in terms of pronunciation. We're talking about the same guy. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be, to me, the key of this deal, though. We, One of my old haunts, uh, FC hockey, we do uh, scouting and, and draft prog prognosticating and things like that. We had him 17th in 2021. Oh, wow. Ended up falling into the 50s to the New York Islanders. He was one of the more interesting guys in his class. Really great vision, finds lanes well, reads and reacts really well. Premier playmaker. Mechanics on skating was was sort of the red flag on him. His hockey sense at times could hold him back, but there's a really intriguing package in in his game. And he's a guy that had two goals in 12 games with the New York Islanders on a recall and 15 points in 27 games. And this is really only his first season in North America. So be very curious to see how he evolves. Yeah. Yeah. And for, for the Canucks, it's probably going to be a bit like he has some time now yes. to, to figure things out um, just quickly. Cause I, I do think while the, the Canucks are giving up the best player in this trade, I do think the Islanders are quite frankly, the more relevant team, which <laughs> is not a sentence I thought I'd be saying ever. Um, but I, I just want one more thing on Vancouver, because th this is something that I, I've been kind of focused on for a little bit. Um, and I know it's not this current regime, although they've doubled down on it with JT Miller. The fact that the Canucks have a core or had a core of Pedersen, Horvat, Besser, Quinn Hughes, Thatcher Demko, you supplement it with guys like Kuzmenko and Pod Colson and Hoglander and those dudes, and they are still beyond screwed, is just mind-boggling incompetence. To, 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 to have such a strong young core and to supplement it with just walking disaster after walking disaster. It is actually impressive how screwed the Canucks are given some of the draft luck they've had. What's really funny about this is Patrick Alvin, the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks, believed they had a quote-unquote good offer on the table to Horvat. And that was, we're talking Saturday. Today's Monday. Yeah. Clearly, it wasn't a very good offer. Otherwise, <laughs> Bo Horvat would have entertained the situation. Clearly, he did not. Yeah. And now he's a member of the New York Islanders and goes from a very interesting, curious, um, I'm not sure what the uh, temperature in that dressing room is, but it's quite the environment in Vancouver 
and joins an Islanders team that are going to be fighting to make the playoffs. Yeah, that's the kind of next step of it as we continue here on Sportsnet today. I'm Peter Klein. Um, I've seen a lot of the texts. It's very heartwarming. Thank you very much. Um, Round of applause. Peter (laughs) Klein's back on 960. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, We have Aaron Vickers uh, with you guys here on Sportsnet today. And we are in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems wet basement, we have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They are all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. It's crazy I memorized that in like 30 minutes. Uh, But for the Islanders now... They we, we talked about it a little bit before. They have um, a few players that I'm very intrigued by. They are not currently one of the teams that are in a playoff spot, however, and they have just gone all in. That This is very much old GM Lou back to, to his old tricks. Do we think this is a good move for the Islanders? I think it certainly doesn't hurt their playoff chances in the short term when you add a guy that's over a point-per-game player and has already cracked the 30-goal mark. I think it's a little... Easy to say that the New York Islanders are a better team right now than they were an hour and a half ago. But again, you alluded to it. They're still not in the playoffs as it stands right now. They're two points back of the Pittsburgh Penguins for the second wild card spot. They've played three more games. So Pittsburgh cashes those in. Suddenly you're looking at the Washington Capitals instead who hold the first. They're three up on the New York Islanders. But I like this New York Islanders team with Bo Horvat, the way they slot down the middle. And if, if it is, in fact, going to be a, a one-two, a Barzell, Horvat, or if one of if uh, Barzell moves to the wing or however they see fit to arrange their lineup, this is the New York Islanders going. We believe in the group that we have. We believe in them. They've got one of the best goaltenders in the league. They've got one of the best center cores in the league now at, with the acquisition of Horvat. I'll be very curious to see what they do both in the short term. If they get that little bump, then, you know, all, all the guys in the room are feeling really good there. They don't want to see... Anthony Beauvillier go, but that's the cost of doing business when you're bringing in someone like Bo Horvat. But if you're a member of the New York Islanders, you've got to be pretty excited about the prospect of adding a guy that's top 21 in scoring in the NHL, who has 30 goals, who has leadership ability. And by all accounts, he's a guy, at least for me, I'd want to go to war against or go to war with. Yeah, if I'm playing against a team in a seven game series. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we talk about like Bo Horvat is going to be uh, expensive next season this year it's 5.5 that's a steal right and so now you look at the uh, the islanders according to cap friendly their deadline cap space is going to be right around nine million dollars like this feels like the like it's the big move and probably the biggest move they'll make i can't imagine what they would do to be a bigger one but I, i think this kind of pushes them into like you have to now go for it you don't have your first round pick so what are you saving it for i, I think the islanders now are going to be have to one of the are going to have to be one of those teams that you look at that's going to be even more aggressive as we approach the the march trade deadline yeah i wonder if they looked at a little bit more pop into their top nine as well they're not necessarily the highest scoring team but like i said Ilya sorokin is one of the best goalies in the nhl got one of the best center cores if you can add a little bit more to your wing maybe strengthen up the defense just a little bit by you know, if you can find a top six winger, which isn't easier said than done, but right. they'll, they'll be there. They'll be available. And if you can find a defenseman that can play in your bottom pair, maybe play some tough minutes. This New York Islanders team is going to be very, very curious the way that they're, con- they're constructed. Yeah, no, I'm I, 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 I like this, obviously, a lot for the Islanders. Like you said, like you're getting a guy who already is at the 30 goal mark. And as we said a bit before, 
not exactly getting a ton of help uh, in Vancouver either. And so now you, you put him, it, it, like him with Barzell, I think is a, a really interesting fit. And like you said, stacked up down the middle now, Horvat, Nelson, Pajot, that is a, a nice trio to have down the middle. I think the next one to kind of look at is because this was, I think, one of the big fish, certainly one of the big fish that's going to be available at this year's trade deadline. Um, do you think this kind of sets the market now for guys like uh, a Timo Meyer potentially being available? You hear Patrick Kane's name a lot. Obviously, those are bigger cap hits. But do you think that this is now kind of what the ask could be for some of those guys? Have we set the market with this trade, I guess? Yeah, I think universally you'd see a first a blue chip prospect or an A-rated prospect, as well as a young roster player. That's exactly what the Vancouver Canucks got in exchange for Bo Horvat. And what is Bo Horvat's second biggest trade of his career, <laughs> yes. as you alluded to in the yeah. break, I think that this is what's to be expected. Now, there's going to be nuances to a couple of the other deals. And Timo Meyer, for example, has term left. Well, he's a restricted free agent. So if you're bringing him in as a straight unrestricted free agent kind of run for the rest of the season and into the playoffs and then cast him away because he's got, I think, a $10 million qualifying offer, then that's a similar term. There's going to be nuances to that. There's going to be nuances to Patrick Kane because Patrick Kane's probably, if he does decide to go, he just came through Calgary and, and talked about his future with the uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks. But if he gives Chicago a list of two teams, well, your negotiating <laughs> power is a little less, as we saw with Jerome McGinley when it was time for him to leave the Calgary Flames. I I would think that the standard young roster player, blue chip prospect, conditional or protected first round pick, that, that'll be the market that obviously Horvat established that will probably follow along similar to the guys that you mentioned, like Timo Meyer, Patrick Kane, maybe to a lesser extent, Jonathan Taves as well, if he decides to to leave the Blackhawks organization as well. But that's pretty much, I think, what you can expect from here on out. Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see unprotected pick traded a lot for this year. Anyway, 24 and no. 25, by all means, just make it rain those things. Oh. But for, for this year, uh, I don't I don't see that happening. Um, I'm going to do something remarkably unfair and just put you all the way on the spot right okay, now. Okay, can't wait. Um, <laughs> yeah, from a Flames perspective, because this is the, the home for the Calgary Flames. That hasn't changed since the last time I was here. Um, so we, we look at things through a, a sea of red colored glasses. The, I think kind of the the equivalent to this would be like a Dubai Manjip or Manjapani, say a Matthew Phillips and a protected first. I'm not saying should the Flames have done that, but for one of these top players now it is something along those lines. And obviously there aren't straight line, easy comparisons, but it's something along those lines, something you'd be comfortable with from a Flames perspective of doing if you want to go out and, and get one of these top players available. I would suggest that you're probably looking at more a Matt Coronado or Jacob Peltier as opposed to Matthew Phillips, just uh, okay. from the perspective of Atu Ratu and what uh, he brings and what his pedigree is and what the expectation and ceiling and potential is on him. I don't think the Calgary Flames, as it stands right now, would be in a position to sacrifice that. Both from a asset management perspective, one, I don't think any team should be trading a 2023 first round pick right now, but that's the cost of getting Bo Horvat. Yeah. Um, from a from a standings perspective, the Islanders and Flames aren't in two terribly different positions. No. They're close. But for me, and this is a comment, I'm not going to declare that I've seen the New York Islanders play each and every one of their games so far this season. Like yeah. I have the Calgary Flames, but for me, the Calgary Flames have been too up and down, too inconsistent, too quote unquote, haven't shown 
that they deserve a Bo Horvat to be acquired by general manager Brad Living, who, funny enough, I had a conversation with today and <laughs> talking about trade deadline stuff. So oh, I, nice. I really wish, Brad, if you're listening, um, just give me a call in two and a half hours. We'll redo the whole thing now that the market's been established <laughs> yeah. and we'll get right back to it. But for me, the Calgary Flames haven't put Living in a position to run out and grab a Bo Horvat, Horvat impact type player. They've just been too up and down. They haven't had yeah. longer than a three-game win streak this season. So <laughs> when wild. you look at it from that perspective, how do you want to go out and invest in, and build around a team that's been wildly inconsistent, has shown for stretches that they can play great, great, great hockey, but then you've seen games where it gets away from them a little bit that tosses up the red flag of, if you're shoving all the chips into the middle, you want to be certain what team you're getting. And I think the Calgary Flames have struggled with that uh, inconsistency to the point where I don't think you see them make a move like that. Yeah, like they they, they have shown they can beat anyone in the National Hockey yes. League, but they've shown they can lose to anyone in the National Hockey League. They've they've beat the Stars, who are tops in the West right now, and they've lost to the Blackhawks, who are at the, the bottom of the West. Although Blackhawks are on a heater right now. They've won six of the last ten. Here comes Chicago. Um, but There no, goes Bedard, more like <laughs> it. Yeah, no kidding, eh? Yeah, th- that is... Six of the last ten, their GM is pulling their hair, uh, his hair out. But no, that this is like I, I'm with you. Um, also, I, I see on the text line, I, I am not drawing straight line Dubé to to Bavillier or Mangiapane no. to Bavillier. I'm just saying, like, just kind of, well, this is the Flames version of that or something along those lines. I'm I'm with you. I would be very wary of trading prospects from a, a Flames standpoint, trading a first round pick from a Flames standpoint, unless it is heavily protected, um, or there are conditions out the wazoo on that thing. Um, I, I just, like you said, it's too inconsistent. And then what, like, it has to be for the right guy, but what are you looking to do? Like, are you just, are you happy going in and getting the crap kicked out of you by Vegas in the first round or something along, not saying that might necessarily happen, but like, would you be fine squeaking in as a wild card team, getting shellacked in four or five games It's well, at least we got in, you know, like that's, you have to kind of assess what the goal is for the season as well. Yeah. And for the New York Islanders, they squeeze into a wild card spot. You've got Boston or oh, Carolina God. waiting for you in the first round. <laughs> now, yeah, good luck. Bo Horvat greatly inc- increases your chances of winning a series against that. And this is a lot different than adding a Vladimir Tarasenko at the trade deadline or um, Matt Dumba or Anthony Duclair. Those are names uh, Pat Steinberg and I have tossed around over the course of the last couple of weeks. This is Bo Horvat. This is your number one center. This is a top 20 player in the league. He's certainly going to impact it. But at the same time, you're still staring down at the Boston Bruins who have only lost five, or pardon me, seven times in regulation this series. Carolina, just nine. So it's whoever's going to get those two teams in the playoffs, you better have a Bo Horvat. And like we mentioned, that is a guy you want beside you in a seven-game series. Yeah. That is going to be an addition. And again, Lou Lamorello. Wouldn't be surprised if uh, there's a contract waiting for Bo Horvat the second he gets to New York. Maybe it's something in the short term, but it's going to be a situation where I would anticipate the New York Islanders are comfortable giving up those assets because they see something bigger picture that'll help them out if that is, in fact, a Bull Horvat extension. Yeah, uh, $16 million in projected cap space for the Islanders going into next season. So we are going to have a lot on this uh, as the the day goes along here on Sportsnet. Today, we're going to have a bunch on the Calgary Flames as well as we head into the NHL All-Star break. Uh, a heated discussion as to which All-Star team Bo Horvat should play on now, I'm sure will be, uh, will be coming up as well. We are going to take a 
brief pause on the hockey conversation, though. When we come back, the Super Bowl is set. It is the Andy Reid Bowl, the Battle of the Kelsey Brothers, and just two very good football teams. Uh, we do not get there without controversy, though. We will break it all down with Haley McGoldrick from Sportsnet.ca coming up next. Back to Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Yes, the Bengals and 49ers found themselves in the danger zone as they were eliminated in the conference Ooh. championship games. Yeah, that's right. I've been like gone for a couple of there. years, but transitions are still there. Uh, welcome back. This is Sportsnet Today. I'm Peter Klein from Daily Hive. He is Aaron Vickers, also from Daily Hive on Sportsnet 960. Uh, the big news of the day is Bull Horvat has been traded from the Canucks to the Islanders. We'll have more conversation on that coming up at 5 o'clock. But there was also this thing called the Super Bowl that got set over the weekend. And now here to help us break down how we got there what we might see at said Super Bowl is Haley McGoldrick from uh, Sportsnet.ca down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Haley, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you guys doing? Doing great, thank you very much. Um, and when we we come out of Championship Sunday in the NFL, I kind of think like of of the scenarios, they were all great, but this was kind of best case scenario for all the different storylines. Uh, I guess before we get into how we got here. This just feels like it's going to be a phenomenal Super Bowl. Where, where are you at on the two combatants we have playing for the Lombardi Trophy in a couple of weeks? I really like it. I love this Eagles team. I've been really high on this Eagles team all season long, and half of it's due to the fact that I have the Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown stack on one of my fantasy teams, and nice. they always got me so many points every single week. But this Eagles team is amazing. They went undefeated for so long for a reason. I really like the way they play the game. And also just this Kansas City team is so stacked with talent, and they're amazing. And you wouldn't have really seen that from the game yesterday. The game yesterday was a little bit of a mess on the Chiefs' front, but they're obviously going to the Super Bowl for the third time in four years for a reason. They're an amazing team. Patrick Mahomes and, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, when they're on, they're on. Probably one of the best duos in the league, especially Travis Kelsey, you know. The, the way that he can just make some of those catches and make some of those plays is amazing. So I think it'll be a really high-scoring game. I'm hoping. Last time I said that there would be a high-scoring game, it was like the most boring Super Bowl in history. So I hope that doesn't happen again. But I think, like you said, there's some good storylines in this as well. And I just I love the whole Kelsey brothers angle of it all. There's a lot to look forward to in this Super Bowl. Yeah, the Kelsey brothers picked a pretty good time to start their own podcast, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for For the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes... There's been a lot of challengers to the throne of the, the best quarterback in the NFL now with uh, Joe Burrow most recently taking a couple of cracks at it. Obviously, Josh Allen is quite talented. Uh, Jalen Hurts probably has something to say about it now. But what Patrick Mahomes did with uh, all due respect to the, the people he was throwing passes to, uh, Jason Kelsey and a bunch of backups on one foot against the Cincinnati Bengals. There, uh, I think the conversation about the number one quarterback in the league kind of starts and ends with Patrick Mahomes right now. Oh, absolutely. And he's going to be MVP for a reason. Just some of the plays he makes are incredible. I think there was a second in that second half yesterday where he definitely was feeling that pressure. He was taking a little bit too long in the pocket, some of the decisions he was making. And through the season, too, he does it. Sometimes he'll throw away a ball and you're like, Patrick, where's your vision? But also the way he uses his legs, the way he just gets into open space, the way that he can throw a pass you know, to the smallest little space into double coverage and somebody will catch it. It's just amazing. And there's not a lot of quarterbacks who can do that. No, like just everything he is. I don't know if he'll get to the resume of Brady, but he's the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. At least like that to, to me that there is no denying the level he can play at. Oh, absolutely. And to be fair to your point, like you said, there are a lot of quarterbacks 
out there who are also very good, like Joe Burrow. I feel bad Joe Burrow is in desperate need of an offensive line that he does not have. He shouldn't be getting sacked nearly as much as he is, especially when he has so many good wide receivers who can make those catches as well. But, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is just on a different level than everybody else. Uh, He is, absolutely. Cincinnati Bengals fans, though, would tell you that they lost that game due to some officiating, uh, maybe not necessarily going their way. Um, Not many leagues would say, look, we have to throw this game so Kansas City gets into our championship game. But um, what what did you make of the officiating from the, the, the two football games we saw yesterday? There definitely was some sketchy play, not play calling, uh, officiating as well. And I think the one that got me was in the second half. There was that one drive that just everything kept being a penalty. And they ended up being on third and nine three different times. They still didn't even make a play out of it. They still gave the ball back to the Bengals. But it was just crazy the things that were happening. And even that last play that happened that set up the game-winning field goal that was unnecessary roughness, I've said to many people that, the way that unnecessary roughness and roughing the passer are handled sometimes, they're they're not consistent with the calling, number one. And some of them are just really soft. And I get it. They don't want, A, concussions. We saw what happened with Tua all season long. But also just, you know, I get they don't want these quarterbacks to be taking all these hits and getting injured. And there's already a lot of discourse around brain injury and injury in the league. But also at the same time, if somebody's running through, they're going to finish their tackle. That's their job. They don't know when the quarterback's going to release the ball. They don't know for the Bengals just trying to get Patrick Mahomes out, push him to the sideline. They both fall down. That was unnecessary roughness in a 15-yard penalty. Just a lot of it was really questionable. There were some questionable missed calls on the Bengals as well. You're going to call unnecessary roughness on Patrick Mahomes at the end there. But there's a shot where one of the uh, Chiefs defensive linemen kind of shoved Joe Burrow, and that wasn't called. And I think but that's with a lot of games. In any sport, really, you could say, you know, there's missed this, there's missed that. I don't think it can really define how you play the game. Even at the end of the game yesterday there, you know, Joe Burrow throws that pick and it's like now the Chiefs get the ball back. And that was a crucial time where if the Bengals went ahead at that point, they easily would have won that game. But there definitely was a lot of officiating where you're kind of scratching your head and going, why is this being called? Why is it being called seemingly in favor of one more team? But again, we can't blame officiating for everything because then you would have to nitpick every game of every sport ever. Yeah, exactly. I forget where I heard this, but someone said, don't don't assume that there is collusion when you can explain it away with incompetence. And I just I just think they aren't that good. Like the, I I don't think there was a a set play in to to make sure that the Kansas City Chiefs were the ones playing in the Super Bowl. It's just refereeing is hard and they're kind of bad at it. I I think that's kind of where the the NFL is at right now. And to your point, it must be so difficult with all the like different ways you can call roughing the passer and how fast the game is now being a ref must just kind of be hard. Oh, absolutely. And for me, everyone knows I'm a giant college football fan. The biggest one in college football is targeting, which is Mm. again, when you're trying to follow through on a tackle, are you leading with the crown of your helmet? Is your shoulder down? And there's so many times the biggest one for me, we all know I'm a giant Ohio State fan. 2017, they were playing Maryland. Denzel Ward had a textbook clean hit, beautiful, ejected for targeting. And then they go back after and they're like, yeah, it wasn't actually targeting. And it's like, I understand you have to make a call in the moment. And that's your job. And that's how refereeing is. But I think there needs to be A, a little bit more distinctive rules on what they are. And B, maybe I get you can't really just go and look at the TV and say, oh, is that roughing the passer or not? But there just needs to be a little bit more structure on those calls, I find. 
Chatting with Haley McGoldrick from Sportsnet.ca on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Using the same secret recipe since 1975, dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. You mentioned college football there. Um, the, the Philadelphia Eagles, who like I, I like a lot of the pieces they have on that team, but they kind of remind me of like a team from the ACC for a bit where it's like, okay, really good record. The stats are amazing. They've played like two good teams all year. Um, so I, the, the one, the one thing that is keeping me from going all in on the Eagles is I just haven't seen them play anybody with all due respect to Daniel Jones and Josh Johnson, who they just walked through to get to the postseason. I I'm a touch worried about the, the lack of competition that they have faced going into this season. Am I, am I completely out to lunch on that one? No, I think you're correct. Although I will say I was a Daniel Jones hater for the longest time, and he really impressed me this season. I think this was the season where Daniel Jones finally came into his own, and you can thank Brian Dabble for a lot of that. I think he's finally in a system where he's thriving. So I thought the Giants were a good team to play. The 49ers for sure. That's a situation where they're already playing with their backup. Then they've got their backup backup. Then there's a point where Christian McCaffrey is about to go play quarterback. That's a totally, completely different situation. But I do like this team, and I really like Jalen Hurts. I feel like Jalen Hurts has caught a lot of flack for a really long time. He came in as a backup to Carson Wentz, of all people, and still barely even got his shot. And then when he finally got his starting shot, it was – Jalen doesn't have a good arm. Jalen doesn't have accuracy, this, that, whatever. And then now he's finally got the tools to succeed. They drafted Devonta Smith. They traded for A.J. Brown. And now it's, well, any quarterback would thrive in that offense. And I kind of hate that narrative because you look at a quarterback like Josh Allen, same thing. He was not good his first two seasons. And then they get Stephon Diggs. And all of a sudden, Josh Allen is amazing. You need those receiving threats to be a good quarterback. And so I think their offense is really good. They have a good run game. As well, you look at that, they have some running backs that basically are exploding as soon as they find a hole for 15, 20 yards, which is huge. And I think that they have a really good defense as well. I do like this team. But again, you're playing the best of the best in the Chiefs. The Chiefs have one of the best offenses in the game as well. It'll be a huge test, but I think that this Eagles team is legitimate. I don't think that they're a team who kind of fluked their way in and are going to lose by 50 the way that TCU did to Georgia. Um, I think that... It's going to be a good game, and I really like this team. And you can call me crazy, but I think that Jalen Hurts has what it takes, and he also has a lot of people to prove wrong as well. Yeah, especially after the playoffs, or the playoff, I guess he had one game of it last year, right? Like, they kind of feel like different quarterbacks. The Jalen Hurts we saw against Tampa Bay a year ago, and now the Jalen Hurts this year. Is there something you have seen from him that, that has kind of switched in how we got from kind of a disaster against Tampa Bay to now on the precipice of a Super Bowl? I think his confidence, number one, but also that he is using his arm a bit more and he has a good arm. I find a lot of the time those dual-threat quarterbacks who know their dual threats, they'll just rely on their legs a lot. Exhibit A, Justin Fields, really great dual-threat quarterback. He can sling a ball if he wants to, but he knows that he can use his legs and he'll do it, but it'll get him in trouble a lot. And I find that Jalen Hurts was doing that a lot early in his career. He was relying on his legs more than his arms a lot. And now... He's got great receivers. You have no choice. When A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith are on that field, you're throwing the ball to them. You're not taking it yourself. And, I mean, we saw it. Jalen Hurts, obviously, at the goal line, is going to go take him himself. They love a good quarterback sneak over the line. But when you have those receivers, you need to be confident in your arm. And I think that's the biggest thing that's changed since then. Because before, it was just he didn't have that confidence. And then you're making inaccurate throws. 
you're doing what, like three yard checkdowns that you don't really need to be doing. Whereas now I think that he's shown everybody that he has that arm strength and that accuracy. He just didn't have any confidence in it before. Uh, I do like what you said too about how they've kind of um, surrounded um, him with the, what you want. Like we're going to have maybe even five quarterbacks drafted in the first round of, of this year's draft. And unfortunately, a lot of those kids are going to just be told, hey, we have problems everywhere. Fix it. Um, and that's probably not what you're supposed to do with a young quarterback. Do you kind of view the Eagles as the, I guess, benchmark for what you're supposed to do when you draft a young quarterback? Oh, absolutely. They've definitely built around him. And I think they did have faith in Carson Wentz, even when they drafted Jalen Hurts, but they wanted a decent backup. And then from there, when they said, okay, Carson Wentz obviously isn't the move here, you need to build around them. There's a lot of franchises we're seeing right now who have the talent and they decide to not build around them. Again, the Bears are exhibit A. You have a really good quarterback in Justin Fields, and they just seem to be doing nothing about it. Whereas the Eagles, you see that in Jalen Hurts. And what do you do? You trade for A.J. Brown, who's one of the best receivers in the game. I don't know what the Titans front office is really doing to let him go, but it, get them getting A.J. Brown was a game changer. Devonta Smith, an amazing player out of Alabama. Getting those players was huge because they already had – good offensive line and one of the best offensive lines in the game they already had great defensive players but you need to build around even if you have the best quarterback in the game if you don't have good receivers they're not going to be able to do anything you could make the most accurate amazing throws in the world and if your receivers are dropping them what are you supposed to do about that you need to have good players around that as well and i think like you said the eagles really have set that standard that okay we believe in this guy and we're going to start building around him so looking ahead to a couple weeks time now for the super bowl the the spread on this game is extremely close. It's under three. Uh, I think it's bounced between the two teams at various different points. Um, is there kind of one X factor or one matchup or anything that you think favors the other one? Or do you think this is just as close as maybe the odds makers say? I really do think it's going to be a close game. And again, that might bite me in the butt because <laughs> I've said it before and it hasn't happened. But truly, I think these are two amazing offensive teams going against each other it's going to be like i said i think it's going to be a high scoring affair a lot of through the air there are great running backs on both teams but i think that both these quarterbacks really thrive through the air obviously mahomes and kelsey are a pair to watch as well as hurts and brown are a pair to watch i think it is going to be a close game i think the best defensive team that was in the games on sunday was san francisco and now that they've been eliminated again, not to their own fault because of their quarterback situation, um, but I thought that they were the best defensive team. So now I think it's really going to be a battle of the offenses. And I do think it'll be a close game. It'll be a matter of obviously shutting down Patrick Mahomes and then how they cover A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith because they have obviously two really great receiving options. As well as for Kansas City, you have to cover Travis Kelsey. You can't just leave him wide open like they did on that first touchdown yesterday. But uh, I think it's going to be a really, really good game. Um, just looking at the, the two combatants who were ousted, uh, just a, a quick thought on, on Cincinnati. You mentioned the offensive line. It's been an issue for a couple of seasons now. Um, is that kind of the only thing on the offseason to-do list for Cincinnati? It's draft eight offensive linemen, uh, sign three more offensive linemen, and then go into the or go into training camp? Or is there something else you'd like to see Cincinnati address as well? I think their secondary needs work as well. There's a lot of discourse around Eli Apple because he likes to run his mouth on Twitter as well. Um, but their secondary has a little bit of issues. 
as well. But their offensive line is the biggest one. Like, you have an amazing quarterback in Joe Burrow who has great vision. He's got a great arm. He'll even use his legs if he has to. But when he's only got two, three seconds in the pocket, what is he supposed to do? And especially on crucial plays when it's, you know, third and seven, third and six, where he possibly can make a play and move those chains, and now he's getting sacked and it's fourth and 15, and there's no way you're going to be able to even attempt to go for it on fourth down there, I think is their biggest issue. They've got a decent defensive line. They have easily one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. You've got T. Higgins, Tyler Board, Jamar Chase. You're not going to top that. I think the offensive line is the biggest issue because if Joe gets more time there, there's so they even have a really good run game as well uh, with Joe Mixon and Samaje Perrine. Like they have, they have all the tools they need on offense except for that offensive line. If they can fix up the holes in that, I feel like they would be a really scary team. But but teams know that if they just you know rush Joe Burrow, they're probably going to get a sack more often than not. You look, he got sacked five times yesterday, which is just unacceptable. On the San Francisco side, um, they're a team that I'm really interested in this offseason. You have a quarterback you traded the world for to move up and draft. You have the most handsome quarterback in the league who's getting paid handsomely. You have Brock Purdy, who came out of nowhere to lead this team to the NFC Championship game. And Tom Brady might be their quarterback to start next year. Um, I I am so fascinated in where San Francisco goes. Do you have a lean on who they might go with at the the quarterback position and what their offseason might look like? A lot of people are expecting them to trade Trey Lance, which I feel like is coming. Trey Lance hasn't really gotten his shot, unfortunately. I feel bad. He kind of went to an organization that wasn't really all in on him, which sucks because we've seen it time and time again. And poor players, they have no say in obviously where they get drafted to, and then that organization wants nothing to do with them. So I think that they might get rid of him. The only thing is, you looked at Tom Brady in that game against the Cowboys. That was painful to watch that wasn't even fun even if you don't like Tom Brady that wasn't even like oh he's old and bad now like that was just putrid to watch and I don't know what was happening there so even if they want to get Tom Brady it's like where are you going from here again do you want to draft another quarterback twice in three years probably not no but in the same breath just what what is your vision here you have amazing players offensively you've got Debo Samuel wide receiver running back combo player one of the best in the league and it just it's a really messy situation there they probably are going to move on from Trey Lance but I just don't think that Tom Brady is the answer there as he's aging as he's going through it especially with a team like I said they have amazing defensive talent they're a really promising team I just don't know what direction they're trying to go in by getting an old veteran quarterback versus attempting maybe to get somebody newer and younger but Again, do you want to run that risk of drafting another quarterback twice in three years? We've seen what happened when the New York Jets did it. It's not really a great – it's not It's not a solution. It's a band-aid solution for five seconds. But I just don't see the direction they're going, and I don't really know what's going on in San Francisco there. Well, I uh, disagree with you entirely. I enjoyed every minute of Tom Brady getting shellacked by uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys, but I'm a Raider fan holding on to grudges from 20 years ago. So uh, I, I, I have a differing side on that one. That's totally fair. I understand. <laughs> uh, aside from that disagreement, though, Haley, I uh, really appreciate uh, you coming on and the, the work that you do. Where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at Goldie on Sports, and you can find me on sportsnet.ca writing about football, basketball, soccer, motorsports, whatever you want, just not hockey. I'll leave that to the pros. <laughs> yeah, I think we have enough people doing that. Um, Haley, thank you so much for doing this today. I really appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you. There is Haley McGoldrick joining us on Sportsnet Today. Down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, As we continue with Sportsnet Today, I'm Peter Klein. He's Aaron Vickers. 
I'm so curious to see what happens in two weeks' time between the Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles. What's your gut tell you at this immediate point? And then I'll tell you what my wallet says. <laughs> yeah. um, you kind of hinted at it before, and I feel bad because I'm going against you. Oh. I, I can't go against Patrick Mahomes. In a, he just did that on one leg. I get he's still probably going to be one-legged uh, in two weeks' time, but he just did that on one leg against a team that thought they owned him. So I just I can't go against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Well, and with one receiver too, but I really like Philly's defense versus Cincinnati, like yeah. in comparing them. So I wonder if they're going to be able to get to him more, give him less time. Um, and then, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles offense. You you can name about seven, eight different weapons and, right. and feel pretty good about their chances. I went ahead and slapped 100 bones on the Philadelphia Eagles when they were plus one. Ooh. And I'm not entirely sure I'm going to keep that. <laughs> I might have done it as sort of a panic after a, after a bad day okay. on the bar stool watching all my bets turn to zero. Mm. But <laughs> I might just have to, I'm, I might. Not? I might just have to let it ride. We'll see. And this will segue nicely because our good friend, Pat Steinberg, also didn't have a great run last week. Oh, no. Best bets on Sportsnet today is brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly. Our good friend and frequent holidayer, Pat (laughs) Steinberg. Went 0 for 2 on Friday. Jonathan Huberto did not get a point, so he missed on the over on the 0.5 in that uh, 5-2 win against the Seattle Kraken. And Elias Pedersen did not crack the four-point or four-shot mark. Pardon me against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So sorry, Patrick. You were three and seven last week. Sad, Ooh. sad trombone or booze or whatever sound audio we can clip to that. Pat, yeah. it was not a good showing. Fortunately, he's not here this week. So I'm going to run the table. I'm calling it now. I'm going Whoa. 10 and 0. Whoa. I'm going 10 and 0 starting with Monday. There's only one game in the NHL. St. Louis Blues, Winnipeg Jets. That's where I'm going to keep this one. Justin Falk has a lovely line of one and a half shots. So I'm hitting that over and I'm going with Connor Hellebuck's 25 and a half save line over on that too. He's hit it in three straight. He's going to make it four. I'm going to go 2 and 0 and I'm going to, you know, just Turn that $3 into $5. There you go. Uh, I'm a little nervous uh, because the, the last time I was doing these types of segments here, I had to wear that goat mask that was behind you because I did it so poorly. But we, we've learned a lot since then. We've grown a lot since then, uh, both physically. I'm a lot fatter now. And spiritually. Um, so I, I do have some plays here, if, if you don't mind me kind of well, throwing my hat in. Well, do we, do we put a bet on the line? That mask Lo- is still here. Loser has, oh God. I, I don't do know. You if go, do you want to go with that? heads up? Yeah, I'm okay. fine with that. All right, let's do it. All right. All right. I'm just going to go with one of the, the specials they have on here. Uh, I am going to go Jordan Cairo and Josh Morrissey, both over 0.5 assists. That is at plus 280. Uh, Morrissey has been playing out of his mind to start this season. And Jordan Cairo has basically never had a bad game when I've watched him play. I love what he can do. Uh, So I think uh, both of them are going to find their way on the score sheet with assists in this game. So both Cairo and Morrissey over 0.5 assists. I mean, I don't hate your bet. I just hate that you're going to have to put that mask on (laughs) at some point because you're not catching me. That's just how it is. 
I'm, I'm, it's, I'm putting chalk up the W already. There you go. I mean, right. I mean, if you want to cash out your bet already that you made with me, and then just like hold it over your face or right. something, we'll call her square. But unless you're and you're ready to go, let's go. No, nothing makes nothing makes good radio like having a mask that doesn't have a mouth hole on it. Uh, <laughs> wearing that for a segment, uh, but no, I'm I'm fine putting this one on the line. I'm only here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so yep. really I only have to pay it off twice because uh, I'm I'm not coming back in here on Thursday to wear a goat mask just. For, for your guys' viewing enjoyment. But I'm cool doing this the next couple of days. All right. Well, we'll challenge accepted. Let's go. Best bets on Sportsnet today is brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly. When we come back, the Vancouver Canucks have traded their captain to the New York Islanders. Bo Horvat is going to Brooklyn slash Long Island slash the other team that plays in New York. We will talk about that uh, at great length coming up next.